You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. I'm going to read a few more verses, but look at me. Let me set the context for this. It sounds like, you know, Bethany is a city of about five and a half miles from Jerusalem. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very dear friends to Jesus. And whenever he was in the city of Bethany, he would always go to their house and spend time with them. So it sounds like he's at their house. They're having supper. But if you were to look this same passage up in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, you'll find they're actually at the house of a man named Simon. Simon was a leper that Jesus had healed. He was a Pharisee. And they're at Simon's house. And Mary and Martha, being there in the same city, came. They're serving, helping. Some are sitting with Jesus. So they're in Simon's house. Mary and Martha, Lazarus are there. Now read on to verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare that which was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing as she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. I want you to read verse 10 as you look at it. This is not the text. I just want to point something out to you. But the chief priests consulted, consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. If you're like me, one of those heathens who are writing your Bible, right next to that, stupid. <laughs> they want to put to death the man Jesus raised from, never mind. Okay, ver- I mean, come on, how dumb can you possibly be? There's the guy Jesus raised from the dead. Let's put him to, okay. Verse 11, you don't understand people. I have a terminal case of sarcasm. It eats me up everywhere I go. And when I read things like that, I think, are you guys out of your mind? Verse 11, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. There's a supper. Now look at me this morning, I'll sit you down. There's a supper here. There's a lot of folks at this supper. He's at, he's at Simon's house the leper who was going to die from a horrible disease. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are there. Jesus had raised their brother from the dead. Judas Iscariot is there. If you notice it when we read that, his dad was Simon the leper that Jesus healed. And he's got betrayal in his mind. Then there's a religious crowd that's there. Some have come to see what's going on. Some have come to see Jesus. There's a curious bunch that's in in this thing. And then there's the crowd that opposed him. A lot of different people at this supper. Those same people are in this room this morning. That varied crowd that was always around Jesus everywhere he went. They're, they're here today. So then I'm going to ask you this question. Hopefully you'll answer it honestly this morning. Who are you at the supper? 
Blessed Father, this morning be with us, I pray. Holy Spirit, may our ears be attentive. Thank you for the special emphasis for teenagers. May they hear and receive what they need for their lives today. How loved they are in this place. And I ask you this morning, Holy Spirit, that you'll quicken my heart and mind to speak carefully and say exactly what should be said. No less, no more. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Who are you at the supper? The same crowd that was around Jesus then is around Jesus now. Same bunch of folks. We're going to break them out for you today. And I want you, I want you to identify yourself. I want you to see that, yes, you You're in the same crowd that was at this supper. Well, let's get right to it. Let's talk about Simon the leper. The Bible tells us that he was a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee is a right-wing Jew as far as faith and belief goes. And he was a Pharisee, but also had the disease of leprosy. Now, in that day, leprosy was a death sentence. If you had leprosy, you were going to die, and you were going to die a slow and horrible death. I remember being in India several years ago and uh, we were there with a missionary, uh, an Indian pastor, the southern tip of India down in Tamil Nadu. And there was a, a man out one morning, as I said, on the, on, the, on the porch, reading my Bible early one morning, getting ready for the day to start. And a man was out there, he was sweeping and picking up things and stuff on the area of the compound. And I noticed him and I saw him and I, I waved to him like that and he turned his head away. And I thought, well, maybe it's a cultural thing or something. Next morning I was out there, saw him again. He got a little closer to the porch and when he got closer, I could tell he was a leper. His nose had been eaten off his ears and his fingers, some of his fingers were missing and when he would sweep with some palm fronds in the dirt and things, he had to hold the the palm fronds in both hands like this because he couldn't grab it with his fingers and he got close and I motioned to him and I I said, hello, and he sort of turned his head. I said, no, no, hi, How, how are you? motioned to him and he sort of smiled and nodded and my wife had brought some crackers and different things for snacks and the next morning I was out there I had some of those with me and he came out and he was doing his little job and I asked the pastor I said who is that man he said well he's a leper he lives in the rubber plantation right next to us here in a little little thatched hut his family doesn't want anything to do with him and he said one day I'll, I, he won't show up and I'll go out and he'll be dead laying in that hut somewhere and I have to bury him. He said, they want nothing to do with this man because of his disease. Well, it's called Hansen's disease today. You can actually cure it with an antibiotic. But in some parts of this world, that's not, that's not the way things are. I had those crackers that next morning and he was there and I went over to him. And I most, he turned around, he was shocked when he saw me and I, I held him out to him like that. And he, he shook his head and I said, no, that's all right, take them. And he put his little stubbed hand out there to it. And he took those little crackers in his hand and smiled and nodded at me. Simon was this man. He was going to die. He was a Pharisee. He was a wealthy man, but he was a Pharisee, a religious man, yet he had a disease that was going to kill him. And one day, look at me, one day in a simple meeting with Jesus Christ, this man was healed, saved, and delivered. Just like that. He was part of a religion that was religious, but he wasn't going to go to heaven when he died. He was going to die of a horrible disease in this life and in the next life wind up in hell. But because he met Jesus, because he met Jesus and the Savior presented himself and Simon received Christ as his Savior, he was not only healed of his physical disease, he was healed of his spiritual condition and Simon was on his way to heaven. No wonder he wanted Jesus to come to his house. No wonder he wanted Jesus to be there and have a meal with him. Is that you this morning? Have you been saved this morning? Thank both you Methodists. See, that's us today. 
I got saved as a nine-year-old boy, American Baptist Church, Antioch, California. My daddy was a Baptist preacher, ran off with one of the women in the church, and mother turned to drink, became a drunkard, married a man who was a bartender and a drunk. And for those first years of my life, I spent most of my childhood hiding under my bed instead of sleeping on top of it. We had these little twin beds, my brother and I did, had these little twin beds in our room, and underneath the bed was a little uh, closet-type area with a little door on it. We'd throw our shoes and things in there. When my stepfather would come home at night drunk, and i hear him in there fighting with my mother. We'd crawl out of bed and pull that little door down and crawl inside of there and pull the door closed and lay there. I didn't know God, so I didn't know how to pray and ask God to help us. I just thought, I hope he doesn't come in here tonight. Then some years later, when my dad remarried, we went to live with him in Antioch, and I, I went to Sunday school. And a teacher was teaching us John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And you want to know something? As a boy from a drunkard home, most people would say, Well, I bet you resented God because no, 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 no. I was just taken, amazed that God loved me. And it got the two things that brought me to my salvation was a fear of hell. That's a good one, by the way. A fear of hell, knowing I die in my sin and go to hell forever. And number two was the fact that God loved me. Kind of an unusual combination, but you know what? It worked on me. And as a nine-year-old boy, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And you want to know something, ladies and gentlemen? It just has created in my heart and in my mind an idea of thinking that somehow or another, I just owe God for that, just for salvation. I had no idea later I'd become a pastor, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that. Had no idea whatsoever. And I've been, lately I've been traveling quite a bit and a young pastor was asking me, he said, Pastor Johnson, how do you, have you stayed in the ministry for 40 plus years? He said, it's really quite simple. I just owe him. See, when I said, I asked you this morning, are you saved? Three or four people here, I'm saved. Hey, listen to me. No, 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 no. I'm not just saved. I am born again. I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And God did not save me with a a so-so salvation. He saved me with a so great salvation. And I haven't got over it yet, and I don't plan to get over it. I don't want to get over it. There's nothing to get over because I can't imagine that God loved me that much. You want to know something? He loves you. Yeah, but Pastor Johnson, you know, my, if you knew my story, okay, I gave you a peace of mind this morning. Can I tell you something? It makes no difference, the fact that God loves you. And your most important thing is that you know Christ is your Savior. And you accept him today and trust him today. And know, listen to me, and know the Savior who loved you and gave his life for you. Are you Simon the leper this morning? You feel like in your mind, you still feel like you owe him. Well, I've been saved for a long time. I have too. I still feel like I owe him something for my salvation. I can't pay for it. I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. Hey, I'm not holding out faithful to the end to keep it either, by the way. No, I'm kept by the power of God, ready to be revealed at the last time. Who are you at the supper this morning? Are you Simon the leper? Or maybe, maybe you're like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Listen, listen, you you just appreciate what he has done in your life. I've often wondered when Lazarus sat with Jesus at this supper, I often wondered if he ever turned to Jesus and said, why? Why would you bring me back? I was on the other side and you brought me back. These people go around talking about, well, I died and went to heaven and saw, you know, ain't married Uncle Joe and Jesus. And they told me I had to come back. So I came back. Look at me. Not me. I'm on the other side. I'm not coming back. There ain't enough angels in heaven to shove me down that tube and get me back over here again. There's no way 
It's not, you say, we're being selfish, Pastor John. Say, I know, but I'm going to heaven, so too bad. You want to come back to this thing? You go right ahead. And life's good and God's good. But the bottom line is, uh-uh. So I always wondered if Lazarus just turned to him and said, you know, I was over there having a good time and you brought me back here to this thing. He had to die again, for goodness sakes. But you see, there, 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 there's Martha serving, preparing. There's Mary worshiping. And there's Lazarus sitting at the table with Jesus. They just appreciated what he'd done in their lives. Simon, he felt like he owed something. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they just appreciated that God made, look at me, he made their life count. See, most people are going to live their lives and they're going to, they're going to, their lives, and they're going to be what I call the, the, uh, the Mephibosheth principle. No, the Methuselah principle, excuse me. You know, Methuselah lived 969 years and he died. Methuselah. See, what's wrong with that? He lived and he died. And that's it. You mean to tell me a guy lives almost a thousand years? There's not more about his life than he lived than he died? Go to the cemetery and look at the tombstones. What do you see? Born, died, beloved son. Born, died, blessed mother. Most people's lives are going to be like that. They're not going to count for anything. Now think about it for a moment. Yet Jesus, the Bible, in his earthly ministry in three and a half years, the Bible said in John 21, if all the things that Jesus did was recorded, the world itself could not contain all the volumes of what would be written. And he did more in three and a half years than this man did in 969 years. Because Jesus made his life count because he did God's will for his life. Mary Martha Lazarus just appreciated that it made his life count. Maybe it's from spending that time as a kid in a drunkard's home and, and what it was like for me to grow up and become a painfully shy. Then later on, got, after I'd been saved a while, I got, I got called to preach. And I thought, there is no way. My brother, uh, Bud, two years older than me, he, he was just a natural born speaker. Guy could sell a refrigerator to an Eskimo. I mean, he's unbelievable. <laughs> me, uh uh. I, I went to bed till I was in junior high school. I, I, I stuttered when I spoke. And my brother comes home from school one day. Some of you heard this story, so bear with me. Came home from school one day, and my brother said, Mike, you're not going to believe it. I was in the sixth grade. He was in the eighth grade. He said, Mike, when you get to the eighth grade, do you know what you get to do? I said, what? He said, you get to take speech class. And they said, well, they teach you how to talk? He said, no, you get up and give speeches. I went, oh, no. In front of the whole class? Oh, yeah. And the guy that does the best job, he gets to give a speech in front of the whole school. I thought, I'm running away from home, man. There is no way I'm going to the eighth grade. Every moment from sixth to eighth grade, no matter what, I hit a home run in the Little League. I rounded the bases. I'm going, yeah, but I got to do speech in the eighth grade. I mean, it didn't make any difference. Any blessing I had was tainted with speech in the eighth grade. Eighth grade came. I didn't run away. I'm sitting in speech class. Teacher's giving, taking roll. Mike Johnson. He goes, Mike, Mike Johnson. Is your brother Jack Johnson? Yes, sir. He goes, oh, Jack was my best student. We're expecting good things from you, Mike. <laughs> I, thought, I knew I should have killed him a long time ago. <laughs> so one day in speech class, they came up with this speech called extemporaneous speech which is they give you a subject on a piece of paper. Could be anything, animal, vegetable, mineral. You step out in the hallway, you've got three minutes to prepare a two-minute speech. But you don't know what the subject is, so they have me my slip of paper. I stand out in the hallway. 
I look at it and it says, eighth grade boy, okay, you listening? Ma'o tse tong. What in the world is that? Ma'o tse tong. Eighth grade junior high boy, right? Eighth grade junior high boys, put your fat hand up in the air. Let me see you. Where you at? You don't know what's going on right now. I mean, honestly, I. Mao Tse Tung, Mao Tse Tung, Mao Tse Tung. Mao Tse Tung. Oh, oh, Mao Tse Tung. Chinese food. Yeah. Egg Fu Young, Mao Tse Tung. I know I saw it on the menu somewhere. Yeah, it, it's on there. Okay, good. So I walk into class. I stand up there. I go, today my speech is on Mao Tse Tung. I love Mao Tse Tung. Oh boy, give me Mao Tse Tung on crunchy noodles. I put soy sauce on my Mao Tse Tung, do you? And people were laughing. I'm going, what in the world? What is funny about Chinese food? Man, I don't get this class. If you take Mao Tse Tung home and have a food fight, 10 minutes later, you throw it again. <laughs> I got done it. <laughs> I got an A on the speech. I go home, sitting there with my grandparents that night, watching TV, Ed uh, Huntley and Brinkley. And one of them comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, today, the premier leader of communist China, Mao Tse Tung. <laughs> no! It's a guy! I can't go back to the eighth grade now. Oh, every day my buddies are going, hey, Johnson, <laughs> I fought my way through the rest of the eighth grade. It was unbelievable. Fear of public speaking. Yeah. Now, look what, like, you think, well, Pastor Johnson, what is it? If it wasn't for the grace of God and CBD oil, I would not be here this morning. No, that's not true. That's not true. I'm sorry. Grace has got nothing to do with it. But no, no, no. Oh, my goodness. See, I'd lay there at night and hear him beating on my mother. And I'd step on her teeth on the floor when I walk in the kitchen in the morning. And I lay there at night and I think, is this the way my life is always going to be? This is my life. This drunk's going to come home. He's going to beat on us. He told me not to go across the street one day and he left and turned around and came back for something, caught me and I went across the street. Instead of taking me in the garage and giving me a spanking, he took a two by four and wanted to beat me to death. If my little mother had not stood between him and me, I wouldn't be standing here right now. Can you imagine God giving me a life that matters? Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they just, they were just thankful that Jesus made their life count. He'll make your life count if you give him the life you have. But you can't get it holding on to your own. You can't get it keeping the life the way that you want it. For Jesus said, if you keep your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life to me for my sake, you will find it. Are you Mary and Martha and Lazarus today? Then there's verse number four, and there's, there's Judas Iscariot. It caught me as I read that verse one day. Simon's son, his dad was the leper who was given his life back. His dad was the one who was saved. His dad was this one Jesus had done so much for. And Judas Iscariot was one of the disciples. He was the treasurer. He carried the bag. He went everywhere they went. And Judas Iscariot today, ladies and gentlemen, is in hell because he missed it all. He missed every bit of what happened. And he was just 
inches from the Savior, saw him. Judas carried the baskets when Jesus broke the bread and fishes and fed the multitude. Jesus, Judas stood right there and saw the miracle. Jesus was, Judas was in the boat when Jesus walked on the waters. J Judas was there when Jesus calmed the storm again. Judas saw all that he saw. He was there for every bit of religious experience, every bit of it, and missed every bit of it and wound up in hell. Question, so who are you at the supper? Well, I'm a member of North Valley Baptist Church, Pastor Johnson, that's good, wonderful, I hope you are. There's this thing, Pastor, I don't know, you don't have it down here. People go to church, go to church, but they don't ever join. You know what I'm saying? They'll go to Costco, get a 900 pound bag of potato chips and join up without batting an eye, but they won't join a local New Testament, independent, fundamental, soul, and a separate King James Bible preacher, hellfire and damnation, pre-millennial, pre-tribulation, -tri pre temperamental glock carry unless you get a hand on Six Star Baptist Church. It's amazing to me how they'll do, it's just fascinating how they won't join churches, but okay, that won't get you to heaven. Question, do you know that you know that you have salvation? And you are certain you can remember a time you trusted Christ as your Savior. It's not about your baptism. It's not about your church membership. It's not about your religion. It's about whether or not you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't miss it all. One of the great fears I had as a pastor was I'd pastor people who wound up in hell. Judas proves that can happen. Then there's Mary in verse number three there, comes with this pound of spikenard costly, about $20,000 in our day today. That's about 10 years wages in her day. And she poured all that on Jesus' feet and wiped his hair and anointed him for his burial because she just wanted to do something for Jesus. Is, it, is there anything wrong with that? Whenever I come here, I'm always looking for certain faces, certain faces in the choir, Certain faces for folks out here who work in the parking lot, help folks. Sure. Certain faces, I stand here today. And leave. <laughs> Thank you, Baptists, who always sit in the same place. <laughs> it's even cupped to your liking. I mean, it's perfect. Right? <laughs> we, we appreciate the fact that you sit in the same place. That way we can keep up with you. <laughs> when we were going to First Baptist in Hammond, you were not allowed to save seats. And uh, my wife and I came in, the auditorium was packed, found a couple of seats in a good section actually for once, and we sat down. This lady walks up, she goes, sir, young man, you're in my seat. I said, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, I'll get up and go, and your wife needs to move too, because I got to put my stuff there. I said, well, ma'am, it's about time to start, and I'll go stand in the back, and you can have my, no, young man, you will move, and your wife will move, because I put my stuff there. I've been coming here for 35 years, brother. House knows me personally. You will get up and move out of that seat right now. I stood up, I said, yes, ma'am, I'll go stand in the back, but my wife stays. Brother House said, you're not supposed to save seats. Do you, you know who I am? And I said, uh-huh. <laughs> she stomped off, so I sat down with my wife. She went up about three or four rows, found a spot for her and her stuff. <laughs> Through the whole service, I felt this burning on the left side of my face. This woman just kept turning around looking at me. <laughs> Turn around through the whole thing. I waved. <laughs> so the next Sunday, I, I had to go back and take her seat again. <laughs> I didn't say I was a good Christian, okay? Just she needed to be taught a lesson. <laughs> yeah. 
See, I look at it like this. So, somewhere along the way, if I could just do something for him. Of course, I know you got all the nursery workers and bus drivers and helpers and workers in every ministry that you need. You know, got them on a waiting list. You probably got an app, North Valley app for the waiting list of workers, ushers, helpers. You probably got an app for that because you know this is like the Silicon Valley or whatever this thing's called. Silicon? Con. Hey, I'm from Reading. We just barely got indoor plumbing up there, okay? So I got, I got you. I got you. you. probably got this whole list. Probably got people hounding you guys all the time. Come on, can I get in? Can I get in? Can I get in? Come on, you got to let me in. Can I get in? Come on, come on. No, because somehow or another we think we're doing him a favor by showing up and plopping our carcass down in a pew for a little bit on a Sunday morning then get up and go home. We're doing him a favor, God a favor, instead of him doing us a favor to do something for him. This lady's going to give up years of salary just for a moment to do something kind for Jesus. How about it? Is that you at the supper this morning? I just want to do something for Jesus. Last thing is this, and there it is. There are these people. All these folks are there. They're, they're the curious. They're just kind of onlookers. You know, you start a fire, people want to watch it. You, you fix down here to deal with traffic. Last time we had traffic jam and raiding a logging truck ticked over and Everybody went home, got a chainsaw to get firewood. I mean, we don't have traffic like y'all do down here. But it never ceases to amaze me. Someone has a flat tire and it backs traffic up for 22 miles to watch a guy change his tire. In Reading, we just shoot him. No, just kidding. But but the truth is, it it fascinates me. People want to, they're just curious about everything else. Nowadays, you're in public someplace, you have a heart attack, you fall over, two people help you up, four people record it. And it's on their little TikTok thing the next day. You know, here, I watch this guy nod off right in front of me in Safeway. You know what I mean? Curious. People just curious. They just want to look. Okay, look, it's beautiful facilities, great music, good preacher here, not me, him, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, but wait a minute, when are you going to stop just onlooking? You mean looking on? No, onlooking. You're just around going, yeah, well, you know, I'm still checking it out. Come on now, if you've been here for very long, you know what this is, you know what this place is, you know what they believe, you know what we're here about. We know it's about the souls of men, women, and children. It's about doing the work of God. So it's time to stop just being curious and looking on and time to get in and find out what you need to do to become a part of what's happening here. Are you at the supper? One thing I'll finish, I promise, and that's this. But how did these curious people know Jesus was in town and Lazarus was there for the dinner. How did they know? Somebody told them. Somebody had to tell them. What are you at the supper? Are you a, are you a soul winner? You witness to people? There are folks you work with we could never reach. They wouldn't listen to a preacher for five seconds. But you work with them. They're in your family. They're in your community. They're in your neighborhood. Question. Do you really believe this is a great church? Amen. Thank you, brother. Everybody else is still looking it over. (laughs) Question, how how do you think it works? We we run buses, we knock doors, we do all the things we're supposed to do as a church. But the truth is, 80 plus percent of people who come to a church are invited by somebody else. But more than inviting people to church, how about this? How about winning a soul to Christ? Somebody had to tell them. Are you that somebody? Let's stand our feet, please, this morning. Would your heads bowed and eyes closed? Who are you at the supper this morning?
Are you like, are you the Simon the leper that Jesus has done, <laughs> saved your life and gave you eternal life? Okay, is it still, is it still big with you? You're still, you're still just amazed at a grace. Amazed at grace that God would save your soul. And because of that, you just, you know, I think I'll just try to do my best to stay faithful to God the rest of my life. You appreciate the fact he's made your life count. Well, my life doesn't count much. It's just it does. Yes, it does. You have an influence on people's lives. You know who's the best person to reach teenagers? Teenagers. Old dude like me comes up to him and they're looking at me like, who is this dude? He must play basketball with Abraham Lincoln. Who is this guy? Best person to reach teenagers is teenagers. Yeah, he'll make your life count. Sure will. And by the way, he's making your life count now. If it's in his will. Who are you at the supper? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.